You are now tuned into anything's potable. The most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gon' be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. Your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year. Banner 12 plus 6 here. Carson was top rookie. I'm seeing it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum and Hay with a brown. We off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up today. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, player. She. Welcome to Everything is Potable, the Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I'm joined by my co-host, the kid, the god, Celtics beat reporter for the Athletic, professional, Jay King, professional. and we are coming to you after professional, professional Jay King, and we're coming to you after the Celtics win Game one, 109 to 101 over the Philadelphia 76ers. Jason Tatum had 32 points. Jalen Brown had 29 points. Joel Embiid only shot the ball 15 times. Uh, but what was your biggest takeaway from this game, Jay? Uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are good at basketball. and Nailed it! <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I mean, the Celtics tried to give it away. They really tried to give it away in the third quarter. They went scoreless over the last 421 of the third quarter. It was just some disgusting basketball. They were giving up wide open layups. It was like they didn't realize they were in a playoff game at all and just kind of let, let down. And then Jalen Brown hit a huge, huge three to kind of right them in the fourth quarter. We got to give shout out to Ennis Cantor, who also had a huge, two huge offensive rebounds. And a kick out to Jalen Brown for a second huge three. So Jalen kind of carried them home. Tatum built a lead in the first place. The Celtics, it's going to be tough for Philly to handle the Celtics' wings, especially if Gordon Hayward is healthy, which is an if, obviously an, an if right now after he left with an ankle sprain. Yeah, the early reports on Gordon is that he was going to get an MRI. That's from Woj. Wash down in the bubble said he left uh, the arena on crutches in a boot, which is – Pretty standard procedure for a sprained ankle, which uh, like looked pretty gruesome. Um, but we'll focus on the game right now. And obviously, I just don't think the 76ers have the ability to guard the wings of uh, the Celtics. Jason Tatum had 21 points in the first half. Jalen Brown had, I think, 15 in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, other than that 20-5 to run that the Sixers went on at the end of the third, it looked like the Celtics were pretty much in control of this game, but they re weren't uh, really able to extend the lead. Um, but it was kind of an ugly, it was a rock fight, definitely a rock fight. Um, not too surprising when you kind of look back at what these two teams have done uh, in the regular season, but that 76ers offense is just not good. It just didn't look like they were getting many good looks. And they I would have thought they shots though, especially in the first half in the, they opened up the game like nine for 10, uh, they it was an even first quarter. They're actually winning the first quarter after having seven turnovers. Um, but the they step had, back by Joel Embiid was ridiculous. 
that was actually the, like a great thing that happened to the Celtics because anytime Joel Embiid takes a three-pointer, I'm registering that as a win for the Celtics. I would have thought they would have gone to him way more in the post, but you also have to give credit to the Celtics for, I thought they did a really good job of ball pressure. Um, they were playing pretty intense defense, especially in the first half. There definitely was that letdown, but I would have thought the Sixers go to Joel Embiid more. I expect them to go to Joel Embiid more uh, in game two, but they just, there was a lot of turnovers, kind of sloppy basketball. And other than uh, Embiid, like no one else really came up and stepped up except for, you know, Alec Burks. Uh, but they started, like started the game shooting like 90%. They finished the game 46%, but their offense just didn't look great. Uh, and so it's, it's kind of exactly what we thought was going to play out. It's like, they're going to rely on Embiid and they're going to have a tough time stopping Tatum and Brown. Yeah, I think that was the the takeaways from game one were kind of what we figured going into it, right? Which was that Philly's going to have pre- have a lot of problems with the Celtics ball pressure. That was true all game long, especially that first quarter. Like you said, they, they were 9 of 10 at one point and up one point because they just kept turning the ball over. Embiid with five turnovers, the Celtics, they were smart with double teams, like, as it seemed as soon as he spun one way, they'd have someone flying in from the other direction. I thought Jalen Brown had a couple of plays like that. Marcus Smart had a couple of plays like that where they were really strong and sharp with their digs and and really, really made things tough on Embiid. It's just because they don't have much like playmaking, it it's easier to focus on him and the six like you have to be really creative to try to get him good looks because the Celtics can just swarm otherwise. And I, I thought he got a little tired as the game went on. Um, I, I I didn't think he was quite as aggressive later on. Obviously, that first quarter he was he was just kind of pulverizing them. Um, but after that was was pretty quiet. The Celtics defense was it was like intense. It was like what they were known for all year. Marcus Smart had over five two points that came from the free throw line, but I thought he was just. Great defensively all game. A number of deflections he had was in, like remarkable. I thought him and Jalen Brown did a really good job of what you're saying, like uh, doubling on Embiid. And then Tatum and Hayward did a very good job in the passing lanes. Uh, Hayward ended up with four steals. Tatum had three blocks. Um, and I thought the Daniel Tice did a pretty good job of not fouling on defense and getting good positioning, except for there was one possession where Embiid just kind of like just backed up through Daniel Tice and completely owned him. But other yeah, than it that, looked like Daniel Tice tried to pull the chair and and <laughs> Embiid did not did not fall Embi- like he was supposed to. Embiid sat down on the chair and just pulverized Tice. The interesting thing here is that the um we've been talking a lot about the Celtics backup bigs. Ennis Cantor, you mentioned he had those two uh, important offensive rebounds, but other than that, he smoked some bunnies and he got great. such a quick hook in the first quarter or second quarter, whatever it was, he came in in the first half. It was like he he got he got a post-touch and did some nonsense over Embiid and then smoked a bunny, like you said, wide open pass from Jalen Brown, just missed it. And Brown was like, I've had enough of this motherfucker and sat him on the bench. Uh, Robert Williams came in, wasn't too much better. It wasn't great. It was, it was – No, Robert – It was lack of focus, Rob. It was like oh, jump at up fake Rob, and it's going to be tough for him on Embiid because Embiid is so good at drawing fouls, and Robert Williams is is not 
yet the most intelligent defender, so he can fall for that crafty stuff that Embiid's going to do against him. I mean, Embiid's going to get to the foul line. He's basically an automatic foul. He was like uh, shot 12 free throws tonight, was 9 of 12. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the Celtics do. They tried to, or Brad tried to have Robert Williams only come in when Embiid was on the bench, but then you mentioned the quick hook for Cantor. I thought uh, they tried two minutes of Grant Williams, and he made uh, some good plays on offensive rebounds. He was good. I, he was good. I wouldn't be I, – like, I think they go back to that when Embiid's on the bench just so they can kind of – uh, get Al Horford out of the paint uh, because you saw some moments, especially like when Jalen Brown's driving, when uh, Horford was the main rim protector, they don't, they're not scared of that at all. Like they went right at the rim and I thought the Celtics did a good job of that. Uh, Al I Horford. Think, I don't think the center grant lineup is about getting Al Horford away from the rim. I, I think it's more about being able to switch everything. Marcus Smart was a point guard in that lineup. And when you have him, and Embiid's not out there to punish switches. You can just switch everything. And the, the Sixers don't have anybody like a lightning fast playmaker that Grant Williams will have a ton of trouble with. So I, I think that lineup could be dynamite defensively if they continue to go to it when Embiid sits. What do you think of Kemba Walker's performance tonight? He's finished with 19 points. Um, he had some nice plays where he kind of drew some contact, but I thought he kind of struggled tonight. The, the Sixers do a very good job of going over screens and pursuing, and he wasn't as sharp on his mid-range. I think he's going to need to be better, especially if Gordon Hayward's hurt, because I just didn't think it was the best Kemba uh, we've seen so far. Yeah, I, I think the important part um, was that he did get a lot of good looks. Like, he had some wide-open pull-up three balls. Celtics will take those looks every time. The Celtics, they try to get Horford switched on him. Tobias Harris switched on him and then put him in pick and rolls. And Embiid was just sagging back. And I, I think Kemba will be able to take advantage of those looks as, as the series progresses. Um, obviously, he missed some of them tonight. I thought, more importantly, though, he continues to look healthy. He had a blow-by past Embiid. He had that uh, fast-break layup where he beat everybody. So that continues to, to be a real positive for the Celtics. I don't know how many minutes he played tonight. He played... 35 minutes so pretty much a full minute load um they'll probably ramp him up a little more if if they really need it but uh, i i think health wise he continues to look good and it, it's been promising for that second game in a row that he said it's the best he's felt in the bubble so if he can just keep doing that every night celtics might have some uh some good things going there now here's the big question with respect to their max contract who had a worse game tobias had or Al Horford. Now, Tobias Harris scored 15 points. Uh, Al Horford only had six, but sheesh, they just did not get much production from those two guys who are making basically $60 million this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, Tobias Harris is like, he's... Where he's was, he? Been an Where was he? He's never been an all-star. Um, the problem for him is like, he's just not quite quick enough to, to keep up with dudes. <laughs> and that could that <laughs> the problem could be is, is he can't guard anyone. <laughs> Your boy had 15, 8, and 8, Packer. 15, 8, 8, 15, 8, and 8. Quiet. Quiet. I didn't 15, think, 8, and 8. I didn't think he was a, a huge issue for the Sixers, but he doesn't solve their playmaking issues. Like, even though he had eight assists, he just, they don't have a dude who can really break down the Celtics defense, and they don't have anyone who can really punish them. Um, and they don't have, like, anybody to like really run an offense they there's just 
like no one. And so the Celtics can be super aggressive guarding the ball. It was hard for Philadelphia to even enter it to Joel Embiid because the guards were really, really getting pressured. Um, and I, I, I mean, they're going to need more. I, I thought one other big part of tonight's win for the Celtics is that the guys that Philadelphia is using on to guard Jason Tatum aren't as physical as Jason Tatum. And normally it's the other way around. Like if, if you body up Jason Tatum, he can have issues, but he can body up Josh Richardson as he did down the stretch when he did the rip through and, and go and draw a foul. And then he, he bodied up Thibel a couple of times too, and, and just beat him off the bounce one-on-one. Thibel had some great, great plays against him, but I, I think Tatum can, can take advantage of guys physically in a way that he normally can't. I mean, that's the beauty of Tatum is that the, the big guys are too slow and the small guys are too small. I mean, there's just no run really on the roster who can stop him. I thought, uh, if like the Alec Burks had some decent uh, moments off the bench for the 76ers, but that's pretty much all that they got. Tybal had a block, but otherwise and knocked down an open three after a broken possession. But like, I don't think starting Tybal is the, is the grand solution for the 76ers here. It's really going to, I'm expect Joel Embiid to come back uh, in game two and just then try to get him the ball um, much more often. Uh, but if you're just looking at the bench, the one thing that I guess is concerning for the Celtics is 101 of the 109 points came from the starting lineup. And this should not surprise you if you're a Celtics fan because the bench has not scored all year. They're going to need more points from Marcus Smart, especially uh, if Gordon Hayward missed his time, which it looked like a pretty bad ankle injury. Is that the same ankle as the one that exploded? It was not. No. So it's a different ankle, so hopefully that's good. But I would imagine he's probably going to be out a game or two, but that's entirely Twitter doctor speculation. But they're going to need more production from someone not named Tatum or Brown or uh, Walker because eight points from the bench tonight is not going to cut it, especially if you anticipate a a much better uh, Embiid effort. Are you concerned that the Celtics just crumbled when Tatum hit the bench, especially in the second half? I mean, not that concerned. It's like, yeah, I think the offense was not great uh, in that final five minutes of the third quarter. That was mostly uh, a Marcus Smart run offense. I think he can do a better job um, just kind of getting scoring points and like kind of working in the pick and roll. I I think it's problematic that the defensive intensity went down, but the fact that they were able to kind of ramp it back up, I think is a good thing. But you would want them to punish the Sixers, which they did not do at all uh, there. And so I guess I'm a little bit concerned then, but I also am like Kemba missed a lot of shots in that in the mid-range in that section. So if Tatum's going to be on the bench, you're definitely going to be relying on Kemba for offense. And if you think he can knock down those shots, um, then I don't think as much as concern. Is it, is it something for you? Do you think they're just going to be reliant on, on Jason Tatum for moving throughout the rest of the series? Yeah, I, I think it's a problem. I mean, the Celtics without Tatum this year have been outscored. And and when you look at the numbers, like they've been phenomenal whenever he's on the court. They've been bad whenever he's off it. And I don't think it's as much an issue when they're fully healthy. But if Hayward misses time especially and they can't have three of their main guys on the court when Tatum sits, then I think those, those minutes could be a problem. Maybe not against Philly because they'll normally be the minutes that Embiid is sitting too. 
and and the Celtics should at least hope to be even on those, even even if Tatum's out. But moving forward, if you play a, a Toronto, if you play a Milwaukee, that's that's when those minutes are are going to be really really tough. Yeah, the the Gordon Hayward injury looms large about kind of how far the Celtics can go. Uh, it's going to come out tomorrow at some point what grade ankle sprain it is, and then we'll all try to know like act like we know what that means. Uh, but him playing is going to be kind of necessary for the Celtics uh, if they have any chance of kind of making the Eastern Conference Finals or the Finals. Now, let's hear it, Jay. Empty the notes. What else you got? Because I got some. I got some takes I need to get off. But you, you go first. I, I, I want to hear your takes first. I'm, I'm ready for these now. What the hell was Brett Brown wearing? He looked like a casual, just bro heading out in Southie with a, a just a button down. That was bizarre. The camera angles were very upsetting and very disorienting. I don't know if that's an NBC Sports Boston problem or an ABC problem, but no matter the channel, it was uh, awful. Uh, but the best moment in the entire game to me was Jalen Brown just absolutely stealing a flagrant foul from Al Horford. That was the one of the best that acting was such jobs a bad I've ever call. seen. Such a bad call. Such a bad call in a playoff. Like Al tried to wrap him up. It, he might have put a little extra on it, but it wasn't like he went after the head. It wasn't like it was a particularly dangerous play. That was that was a weak, weak call for a for a playoff flagrant foul. Let's let's calm down, referees. Hey, Jalen is a renaissance man. He's an activist. He can make threes, and he acted like he got hit in the face, and he's like made them go to the monitor. I have no idea why they uh, upgraded that call, but it was absolutely absurd. Also funny in retrospect is Al Horford just playoff Al screaming his ass off after he got his uh, fifth and sixth and final points of the game. I'm I'm a big fan of the Al Horford playoff bellow. It, it, there's it's not a yell, it's, it's a bellow. He he just and he kind of got in Tatum's face a little bit and just bellowed. He's uh Al had like that one stretch where he was good and kind of. Did a whole bunch of things. They don't really use him very much or very well, and uh, and he he has he's gonna have trouble against Jalen Brown in this series. We we were talking about who he's gonna guard this series. Jalen Brown, he's become too confident a three point shooter to have another big man guard him. Like it, it's really tough for a big guy to keep up with Jalen now that he's willing to launch threes from anywhere. And he is very willing, five for eight tonight, downtown Jalen Brown. I mean, if he's going to do this, I don't see how they send Horford out to guard him, uh, but it's just a matter of, like, personnel issues for the Sixers. Um, Horford, I thought, like, they actually the opening possession of the game, they ran an action to get Horford the ball for him to enter the ball into Embiid, a lot of movement, and it got Embiid isolated on Tice. I, like, thought that something the Sixers would go back to, but they really didn't really uh, run that play very often. Um, and it looked like the offense kind of struggled. Um, the only other thing that uh, is my notes here is when Embiid took the three at the end of the game uh, with like what the Sixers were down and Mike Gorman just goes, really? <laughs> just like completely disgusted by whatever that was. from. Jordan I didn't Embiid. hate that. I didn't hate that. It was like, like when Brad Stevens used to run plays for Jared Sullinger because he knew Sullinger would be wide open. <laughs> like, Embiid was like, wide open. There, there is something about getting a wide open look when everyone knows you're going to shoot a three 
Speaking of wide open looks, Daniel Tice could have a lot of wide open looks. This the homie needs to shoot. If uh, MB is just going to play completely in the paint and way off him, like I know he seems to be more in rhythm if it's a catch and shoot, but if he's just there's so many times where he's just holding the ball at the top of the key, like he made what one tonight, uh, but was one of five from deep. I just think he needs to be more comfortable. I don't know. I feel like I was about to ask Daniel Tice to be very comfortable shooting threes off the dribble. I know that's not his game, but it, if he can knock down even like two two threes, it would to- like change. Danny the two threes. Danny two threes. Danny two blocks. Like just the amount of times where they're like running dribble handoffs, and there's no one near him. If he could just shoot, I think it would. Although I would say like every Embiid three is a win for the Celtics. Every time Tice attempts a three is probably a win for the 76ers. I don't know if I really want Daniel Tice uh, shooting that many threes, but uh, you got to go. You got to go, you know, do your job and write this article. So uh, we're going to wrap it up here. No, what else got the junk drawer? I need to hear the rest of the junk drawer. Run through it real quick. Let's hear it. It was all right. It was fun when Marcus Smart was listening into the 76ers huddle. Uh, I hate Jason Stone, that personal injury lawyer. Way too many ads. Um, you don't like you're, – you're never going to phone uh, Gary Stone? Wash- I'm never going to phone Stone. Uh, absolutely not. Um, uh, just way too many ads, and personal injury lawyers are uh, kind of gross to me. But um, And then Wash is just in the bubble like 40 seconds before the feed, just spoiling everything. I knew everything that happened because Wash tweeted it out beforehand. That was uh, mildly amusing, but mostly frustrating. That's that's all I got. The the one piece of junk I would like to add is how frustrated Joel Embiid got when he got hit with the tight seal. The the second time <laughs> he got hit with a tight seal, he kind of looked around like, "What the hell is going on? Where is the foul call on this absolutely moving screen?" But no, it's legal. Daniel Tice is the king of the Gortat which he wants to be called the Tice. So I, I enjoyed the the frustration level there it, because that's got to be so he frustrating. Looked, and, it should absolutely be a moving screen, but it's not. <laughs> and Bede looked tired at the end of the game, and he said after the game, like, oh, I just got to do more. Like, can he do more? He played 37 minutes tonight and pretty much was exhausted on both ends, and the Celtics were even attacking him on defense. I just don't know what more – like Embiid's gonna have to go for forty and twenty if the Sixers have any chance, and he's gonna have to do it four times if the Sixers have any chance of winning this series. Two weird plays that, like Marcus Smart was attacking him off the bounce, and I'm not always convinced that Marcus Smart ISO is a good thing, but he drew a couple of fa- drew a couple of fouls on Embiid. Uh, that was another another interesting play when Marcus kind of scolded Embiid for for hitting him. It was just like, what what's up, man? Like, come on. And then they had like a civil conversation and then <laughs> then went back to the game. Yeah, no, it's interesting double foul there. But Marcus, I, I predict a good ballyhoo, a good uh, dust up between them before a series is up, just because Marcus is so intense and Bede's pretty intense. And so um, hopefully it'll be good. That's, that's all I got for uh, observations from this game. Do you have anything else before we go? I got nothing. I got nothing. I, I am curious to see what Brad Stevens does with his backup big rotation from here on out, though. That'll be definitely interesting. It'll be interesting to see what news comes out of the bubble regarding Gordon Hayward. If anything happens, we'll come to you here on anything is potable. Thank you guys for watching on live on the Periscope. 
or listening on the podcast, please subscribe, rate it five stars. Tell a friend. We'll begin doing this after every single game. And so thank you guys for listening to this episode of... Everything is possible!